0: Breaking It Down with Frank McKay. This is 1039 LI News Radio. I'd like to welcome everyone back to Breaking It Down. Our very special guest is Jeff Murphy from Shoes. And pop culture people may remember that on the opening day, and Jeff will correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe on the opening day of MTV, all four videos of Shoes were played. Jeff, how are you?
1: i'm doing fine thank you and yeah you're correct
0: i mean that's that's a legendary that's a historic moment in time and of course they did their um their moon landing uh photo but uh when this happened when you were watching the first day of mtv did you realize it would be as big as as it ended up becoming
1: well you know strangely enough we didn't have mtv in our area at the time we didn't have any type of way to uh, judge what was happening other than the media. And um, we saw an article in Billboard that ran shortly after that um, interviewed uh, half a dozen record stores and they all said, uh, oh, we're selling records from Shoes and they've never played in this area, so it has to be from MTV. And um, we took that into the record label to say, look at this, we better pay some attention to it. And they kind of poo-pooed it and said, oh, it's a flash pan. Don't worry about it. It's just you know it's MTV it's not going to last. And
0: they were wrong. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, were they ever? I mean, and and Shoes, uh, people who who like Power Pop, remember the Shoes as being one of those uh, legendary Power Pop bands. And there's not a lot of you, but I mean, honestly, you guys have ha- have had a wonderful career, and and you still somehow fly under the radar uh, um, screen. I bet you a lot of people call you the Shoes, but that's not right, right? It was it's Shoes name of the that's band that's
1: right yeah and um, you know we took the name in the, really in the early 70s um, my brother came up with the name um, when it was just kind of a pipe dream to have a band and he thought well it'd be something cool and simple and and um, you know like Wings McCartney was just starting his band Wings and there was the band Sparks and so to us um, we just you know we just thought it was simple and, and it was very symmetrical looking you know two S's on you know one on each end and an O in the middle uh, so it looked cool and um then in the, the, late, the mid to late 70s, as kind of the, the new wave thing started to happen, people started calling us The Shoes, and, and uh, we were like, no, 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 that's, that's not right. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's an easy mistake to make, I guess, because it's a plural word, but um, especially in recent years, there have been bands that have, have uh, uh, started using that, and we've, we've been uh, fighting them uh, on a legal front you can't change the name just because it has duh in front of it what? that that's still that, you know people still call us by both names you know but we we are just shoes
0: now when you first started out who were you formatting in your mind I mean who were you kind of formatted yourself at uh, as uh, you were you're really in between and and I don't mean you were trying to emulate anybody but who did you look up to what what bands did you admire and let me before you answer that let me just point out that you really were in the middle of, of, of eras, right in the middle of eras, I should say. and uh, you know arena rock is you know kind of on its way out and and you know the MTV generation were, was about to happen. so you you know and, and nobody knew what that was going to be like. And you guys were right there at the moment and shoes came out and and, and you did very well. but who did you who did you vision yourself to be like?
1: Well, the, the biggest influences uh, on us, of course, you know, we were kind of weaned on the whole British invasion, um, <clears throat> and as that music started to disappear from the radio, um, that's what we liked. We liked anything that had that kind of three-minute three minute, three minute um, melodic rock song. I mean, uh, uh, I know Elton John had a hit with uh, Saturday Night's Alright for Fighting," and we were into Big Star and Bad Finger and, and you know, even The Beatles. Um, so, for, for us, um, we were just emulating the music that we enjoyed listening to. Um, and, you know, Dwight Twilley had a hit about that time with I'm on Fire. Um, so, it was, we, we thought, well, this, just because it's not, you know, the trend this week doesn't mean that there aren't still the majority of people that enjoy, you know, pop music or what, you know, now they call it power pop, but it's, it's rock music with melody. That's basically it.
0: Now, if you're just tuning in Jeff Murphy is one of the founding members of Shoes, and as I mentioned, uh, they they are royalty in power pop, and they uh, somehow fly under the radar screen nowadays, but they uh, they really, uh, the, I think it was Present Tense, was that your first album, Present Tense?
1: That was the first album that we did for uh, Electra. It was really, I believe, our fourth or fifth album of recordings, but um, we were recording stuff in my living room in the mid seventies, we started doing that around seventy four and, and seventy five, and we're releasing things on our own label back then. And one of those releases, um, called the one called Black Vinyl Shoes, particularly, attracted the attention of um, what was then kind of the new uh, new wave of music they were calling, you know, which was a cross between punk and the whole uh, you know English thing of like Sex Pistols and. Um, you know, in America, you had the, the Ramones and Blondie and and Devo, and there were it just there was an explosion of new material and new things happening, and we kind of got lumped into that, which was, I guess, beneficial in the sense that, uh, that there were uh, a lot of uh, media outlets. There were fanzines and new publications, publications like Trouser Press out of New York and Bump uh, out of California, and they really latched on and and uh, helped to propel us. To the European press and even to the mainstream press in America.
0: So now, where did you grow up? Where did the band grow up?
1: Well, we were all uh, we were we were all uh, um, high school pals. We grew up in in a small town called Zion, Illinois, which is right on the border of uh, like Michigan, just uh, halfway between Chicago and Milwaukee. And mm. um, we just thought, wouldn't it be cool to be in a band? We didn't have any training, or we just loved music. So for us, it was. Um, okay, now that we've got the name, how do we learn how to do this? <laughs> you know, and we, we, we taught ourselves how to learn, and, or how, learn how to, to record and, and sing and play and write, and, and um, it was a slow process, and we kind of recorded all that along the way. So those early records are really sort of uh, time, capsules, ca- time capsules into that learning process of uh, kind of like going back and looking at pictures of yourself in grade school.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly see that, but there must've been some local bands there that you were, you were kind of getting some tips for. Cause that's, that's not just throwing a band together and, and playing in your garage. I mean, this is actually, you're actually producing records. You're, you're releasing records. Um, what, uh, was there anybody there that was a, a mentor to you? Was there a, a, either a, you know, a management type or was there some older musicians that kind of took you under their wing?
1: No, not at all. Um, Zion is, uh, strangely enough, a, uh, a uh, dry town. It was founded by a religious uh, fanatic uh, around the turn of the, the um, uh, 19th century. And um, so it's a dry town. There are no bars. There are no clubs to play at. But what we would do is travel to you know, the surrounding uh, cities, and one of the bands that was really starting to break big in the clubs at that time was uh, Cheap Trick, and so we we, wa- we saw them in their really earliest stages, right after Robin Zander joined the band as the lead singer. And it just they, they were very obviously to us head and shoulders above everything else. Um, so we watched them, um, and they were very inspirational in those days, particularly in, in playing live. Um, and we were listening to bands, you know, again at the time, um, bands that were on the radio that we liked, Dwight Twilley and Ten CC. Um, and, uh, then we, of course we discovered the Ramones and, and a lot of that stuff that was coming out of New York. And, um, it really was, it was just a matter of sitting down. Ziggy Stardust was a big album for us too. We would just sit down and really kind of analyze those records and say, okay, what, why does this record sound the way it does? And, um, even a record like uh, Fleetwood Mac's Rumors, which was, was, um, uh, obviously a huge record at the time. Um, and coincidentally we ended up working with uh, their production team that worked on that album. Yeah, I was going to say uh, that's
0: a, a great-sounding record, but I knew that. I knew that about you guys. I thought there was a Fleetwood Mac uh, producing uh, tie there. I just didn't know where. Yeah, we where it came- we
1: had we had tried to get um, uh, Richard Dash involved with our first Electra album, but he was busy doing the um, the Tusk album for Fleetwood Mac. So uh, the record label started to parade uh, producers past us and said, "Hey, okay, you know, who do you like? What do you who do you want to work with? Where do you want to go?" And we had a, a kind of a unique deal in that we were really um, co-producing the album with whoever we wanted to choose. So um, we we ended up with um, a producer named Mike Stone, who had worked with Queen and and um, had done um, oh he had done a band at Asia. I think he'd done some work with Journey and and um, and we hit it off. He had that English sense of humor, which we liked. Um, we ended up going to a place in England to record that first album for Elektra, which was called The Manor, and um, XTC had, has worked there since, and, and uh, Sex Pistols, I mean, it's long gone now. Michael Oldfield did Two Your Bells there, and it was a great place for us to kind of be isolated from the American record label out in the middle of the countryside, English countryside, and we had demoed the entire album ourselves already. So we really knew what we wanted to do, um, and... Um, wow kind of you know used our demos as our sort of our blueprint
0: Jeff Murphy from the band Shoes is our special guest today and we're getting a little bit of a history on them they are a a, a staple and and you know they're a legendary power pop band uh, how how has the band been doing all of these years I mean I'm sure there was a split right there was a split for a while and you guys took some time off um, you
1: know, strangely enough, you no, know, we never broke up. We never split apart. It's still the same core three members: myself, my brother John Murphy, and our our high school buddy uh, Gary Cleve. And it's been the three of us for forty years. Um, we've had different drummers over the over the years, but really for the last twenty years, we've been working with the same, even the same drummer, John Richardson. Um, but as as the industry changed, particularly in the mid to late nineties, as you know, we eventually um, uh, um, split with Elektra, but we maintained our own recording studio, and we got off into re- producing and recording other bands. I, I produced the first two um, major label releases for uh, a band out of uh, Chicago called Material Issue. They were signed to Polygram, and um, we helped another Zion band get signed. We did their demos, a band called Local H. Um, and then we, we had our own label and distribution um, but then as labels started to, Or I should say more importantly The record store started to disappear uh, Independent distribution started to dry up
0: What, what year did you see the... that? What, uh, not to cut you off, Jeff But what year would you say the, the...
1: I would say it started around Maybe 95, 90, 94 Was when we first started seeing it As we were finishing up an album called Propeller Our distributors started to disappear And they would say, listen We can't release the new record Um, If you send it to us, we can't guarantee you we can ever pay you for it.
0: Mm.
1: So um, that was the beginning of it. And by 96, it was um, a lot of the independents had merged into sort of national entities like R.E.D. or Indy. Um, We ended up going with DNA out of uh, uh, Massachusetts. And um, even they, at one point, I remember a a semi pulling up with $100,000 worth of CDs saying here's a return. We can't pay you. The stores have returned these. Here's we want to give you these for credit towards our account. You know, wow. and we said, wait a minute, but this is going the wrong direction. So we got out at that point. We got out of normal uh, distribution and just went to totally to online um, and uh, you know mail order sales. Uh, downloads came about shortly after that, and um, even within that, um, we. We could see the, the writing on the wall for the studio itself, for the fact that people were digital recording was coming in. Uh, we were an analog-based studio, and the uh, people were starting to record at home, which was great for us because that's how we started. So we were totally comfortable doing that. So we we sold the studio in 2004, and that was an adjustment. That everybody we built studios in our houses.
0: Um, Pro Tools setups.
1: Uh, no, actually, we use Cubase. Cubase. Gary has a very extensive setup at his house, and um, I have some. I have a studio. I did a, a solo album in 2007 in my home at my on my studio. But Gary's is much nicer. <laughs> so we did a, a a song in 2007 for a Cheap Trick a tribute compilation, which was the first thing that we had done outside of our nor- our, our normal studio, and we did it between Gary's house and my house. So that was a good sort of a test to, to see how it would go. Um, we did a brief tour in uh, Japan in 2007. Um, or no, I'm sorry, we did t- the Japan tour in 2009. We did some shows in Chicago in 2007. And um, it, there was always something happening, but it wasn't, it wasn't that obvious, I guess, to the outside world. We did, besides the live shows, we did some releases. We did a reissue of... Um, of those early demos. We did a release called Double Exposure, which chronicled the demos that we did for the Present Tense and Tongue Twister albums. And we released that as a double CD in 2007. Um, then we negotiated; we were negotiating some deals for vinyl releases um, overseas of some of the earlier uh, uh, albums. And a label in uh, Chicago called the Numero Group released four of those very early releases on vinyl in 2012, right on the heels of us releasing um, our latest album, Ignition, and uh, while that was, we were recording that, we were being interviewed for a bio that um, this woman uh, from New York had been working on for four years. She really had been a fan of the band for 30 years, and and um, wanted to write a bio to really expose us to um, a larger audience to kind of explain what the industry did, how it changed over that, those 30 years, you know, and the fact that we were still alive and kicking when a lot of the labels have gone belly up. And, and, um, then that book came out in 2012. Uh, it was called Boys Don't Lie, A History of Shoes, and then a label in California, um, uh, later in 2012, released a 35 year, uh, definitive collection on CD. So there's always been something happening, but, um, It's it's not necessarily, um, uh, you know, kind of risen to the surface where everybody knows about it. But the last uh, maybe the last year um, has been really surprising at how much visibility we've had. Um, We just did a show Saturday night in in Indiana at at the Memorial Opera House that went well. We played in Brooklyn uh, three weeks ago and that was fantastic for Trouser Press fortieth anniversary. Um, We're doing more shows around the Midwest and. Uh, you know it's just it's just it's what we love we do it because we love it um we don't do it to 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 be rock stars i mean that kind of whole thing kind of went away anyhow but you know it's just we just love recording and writing and making music
0: for those just joining us you're listening to jeff murphy from the band shoes and if you're just uh, tuning in you you may not uh, have heard the reminder that on the day do you, you remember the day that uh MTV first started. You have the day in your mind, the date August August first, nineteen eighty one. August first, nineteen eighty one, and I, I know tomorrow night was one of the songs, right? It, it had to be. That was on present tense, right? Tomorrow yes. night was yes. uh, one of the videos. Uh, "Cruel You" probably, right?
1: Uh, yes, "Cruel You." And um, it, in my arms again, and too uh, late,
0: maybe. Oh no, no.
1: And too late. Too yes. late, right? And we had, we had just come back from England. And they had video market shows, um, which we thought was pretty cool. So when we came back in the fall, uh, came back from England in the fall of 79, um, the the international department at the label decided we should film some videos for the European market. So we shot all four of those in one day. Just kind of boom, 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 one right after the other. And they were for the European market. So MTV didn't exist for almost two more years. Um, but then when MTV came on the air, they needed... Um, material to play, and we, it was like, oh, here we have these four. <laughs> so um, it was uh, very, very lucky for us, very lucky timing.
0: Well, the, the fact that you're a DIY band, right, or, or uh, DIY, yeah. I should say, do-it-yourself type band, I, that was a term that really didn't come around until later. And then usually they talk about they talk about. Punk bands, you know, you hear more of that punk bands are really underground bands You know you guys were a mainstream band doing this and I think that's very unique and and I know there were others out there But you guys you guys are a unique um, I don't know fixture on the on the music scene, but it's it's really it's it's really an amazing thing that you guys have been able to do well, let me ask you something and and if I get too personal just don't answer it, but you did three records with a and then you did you know several of your own records and you did the downloads did you make more money with the major label releases than you did with all of the other uh, your other ventures
1: no no absolutely not we, we were making more money now than we ever did you're making it's mean, unusual to say but the fact of the matter is we literally get statements every week from downloads and and streaming companies um and there's more anyone that has a computer now has access to our music, uh, where before, when you're signed to a major label, they they have all the cards. I mean, they they are the, the banker, they are the, the manufacturer, they are the promoter, they are the distributor, and they're the accountant. So you're completely at their mercy. And if they don't pay you, you have no, and they didn't pay us as a band, um, you're always in debt to the record company because of, uh, you know this recording, uh, uh, bill or that tour or whatever. But as songwriters, our publishing, which we owned our own songwriting, that's what kept us afloat through those years. Now, if we sell a download through um, iTunes, uh, we get paid that money. Um, generally speaking, within thirty days.
0: Do you own the rights to those three albums from uh, Elektra?
1: Yes, you Everything do. Everything that, that Elektra had. Um, we had a clause in our contract that um, if they refused to release it, their rights reverted back to us. And in 1987, they returned all of our tapes to us, and we started releasing those albums on CD. Um, so the entire catalog um, is available. Everything that we've ever done is available online, not only through our own website, which is ShoesWire.com, like Newswire, but ShoesWire.com. You can download directly from us or any download site like iTunes or Spotify or Rhapsody or Sony Music or any a CD Baby, any of those sites um, that people can get the, the downloads there as well.
0: I, I think this is a just tremendous success story. You guys, you guys are sharp guys. I mean, you guys know what you're doing. Jeff Murphy from Shoes, the band Shoes, has been our guest. We got about a minute left. Can you tell people either through social media or the websites uh, where they could follow Shoes and they could follow you and what you're doing and so forth.
1: Well, thanks, Frank. Uh, um, shoeswire.com is our main site, and we try to keep it as updated as we can. Now, we just had some, a couple of shows in the last... Um, we don't play often out that often, so when we do, we do try to post at least some information about the shows and where we're going to be next. And like I said, all the... People can blog, people can tweet, people can uh, communicate directly with us through email, but if they go to the Shoeswire.com website, all that information is there, including any updates. I know that there's a... A film that's coming out that's going to have four four of our songs in it that's, come, that's in production right now. I'm not sure what the title is going to be, but, um, you know, it's, it's really been great that uh, in, like I said, in the, in the past couple of years, things have been uh, more active than ever, probably.
0: Jeff Murphy has been our guest uh, from the band Shoes. Jeff, thanks for being here.
1: Thank you, Frank. I really appreciate it.
0: And continued success to you. Thank you all for tuning in. Jeff Murphy, from the band Shoes has been our guest a real DIY band do-it-yourself band but just what a uh, what, what a story they are great music but really just a, a fantastic story thanks for tuning in here and check out the Shoes the Shoes check out Shoes uh, online we'll see you next time on Breaking It Down